0: So, this morning, as you turn to Psalms 105, 36 through 37, we're going to start a new series, and I want you to write this down if you'd like to take notes. It is a question Is it God's will that I prosper? Is it God's will that I prosper? I want to show you what the Bible says. This is my goal this morning. That you would see that prosperity is not bad, that it is a blessing from God, and that he wants you to have it. Hallelujah. You would see from the Bible that prosperity is not bad. Why is that important? Because there's a lot of Christians that love Jesus with their whole entire heart. And they believe God, they love God, they worship God, they pray to God, they serve Him. But when it comes to this subject, they've been taught such bad doctrine that they think prosperity is a bad thing, that it's a wicked thing, that it's not in the Scripture. So I want you to see, we're going to go through the next several weeks, and I'm just going to build your faith again and again and again to believe God's word in regards to prosperity. And I'm believing that at the end of this month, at the end of this series, that we're going to see great increase in all of our lives. Hallelujah. So, so this morning, I want you to see, according to the Bible, it's not bad. It is a blessing from God, and He wants you to have it. Can you say amen? amen? So, Psalms 105, 36 through 37. It says this. This in Psalms 105, it is kind of a description of when Moses came into Egypt and led the Israelites out of Egypt. That's when the first Passover happened. That's when the Lord sent the plagues to Egypt. And so in Psalms 105, the Lord is is giving David prophetic revelation of the events that took place at the original Passover. So we explained last week, if you were here, that the Bible, the original Passover, uh, where they had to take... This lamb that was pure, that was spotless, without wrinkle or blemish, and they had to sacrifice this lamb and put the blood over the doorposts and then go inside their huts that night, their homes that night and eat the flesh of the lamb that the Bible says that that lamb was just a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Amen. That lamb was a picture of Jesus before Jesus came. That sacrifice, the the blood of the lamb was just a picture of the blood of Jesus. The flesh of the lamb was just a picture of the flesh of Jesus. So I need you to understand that because in Psalms 105, 36 through 37, it actually gives you in a very short sentence, the full gospel message. I want you to see this. This is the full gospel message. Can you say full gospel it says he also destroyed all the firstborn in their land. I want you to say saved. saved. And it says the first of all their strength. He brought them out with silver and gold. I want you to say prosperity. prosperity. And there was none feeble among his tribes. I want you to say healing. healing. Saved, prosperity, healing. Healing. So the first, as I already mentioned, is that he destroyed the firstborn in all of their land. It was the blood on the doorpost of the lamb. That was a picture or a type of salvation. Right? The blood was smeared on their doorpost. The angel of death came into Egypt, and he could not enter into any house that was marked by that blood. Literally, the blood saved their lives. What does the blood do? The blood saves our lives so that we don't have to have eternal damnation. The blood gives us righteousness. Through righteousness, we have justification. Through justification, we have salvation where we don't have to go to hell. So the blood saves us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, then also on top of the blood of the lamb that was smeared on the doorposts, they went in and they had to eat the flesh of the lamb. What happened when they ate the flesh of the lamb? the Bible says in this passage that he removed feebleness. Say feebleness. Feebleness, it literally, the definition means weakness due to old age or illness. So basically God removed all weakness. God removed all illness. God removed all disease from every one of them. It says there was none. Say none. You know, most historians will say there were between 600,000 and 2 million Israelites that led Egypt, that left Egypt during the, the Exodus. That means that God took weakness, sickness, illness, disease away from each and every one of them, not just the babies or the teenagers or the 20-year-olds. From zero to 120, however old they were, the Lord removed illness and weakness from each and every one of them. Well, this was a type That was a type and a shadow of healing that Jesus purchased with his body. Say his body. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5 that it's by his stripes we are healed. By the body of the lamb, we have feebleness removed from among us. And this gets to the third point what we're going to talk about this morning. And it says he brought them out loaded with silver and gold. This is the, th- the full gospel message, and this is what we preach and what we stand on in this house that Jesus saved you. Jesus p- made provisions for you to be saved. He made provisions for you to be healed, and He made provisions for you to prosper during your life on this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. So He brought them out loaded with silver and gold. You know, in the Bible, any historian, it doesn't matter if you're a Methodist, if you're Baptist, if you're Presbyterian, any real Bible theologian will tell you that Egypt was a type and a shadow of the world system. So basically it's the Lord escorted his people out of the world system and was taking them into the promised land. And not only did he take them out of the world system, but it says he took the wealth of the Egyptians and he transferred it to the, to his people. That the wealth of the world was stripped and was stored up and, and, and transferred over to the righteous. A lot of people understand that Jesus shed his blood for your salvation. Some people understand that he paid a price with his body for your healing. But there's very few people that believe and understand that God brought us into a covenant of wealth as well. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Colossians 1.13. So again, he removed them. He escorted them out of Egypt loaded with silver and gold. Well, what did Jesus do? Colossians 1.13. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. Say transferred. Transfer. He's transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So that was just a picture of what Jesus did for us. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible also prophesied. I didn't I bet you didn't know that Proverbs was also a prophetic book. It was. In a lot of ways, Proverbs 13:22 says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. That's Proverbs 30:22. 13:22. 22, 22. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Let me ask you a question. Is that talking about heaven? No, it can't be. You know why it can't be? Because the sinner has no wealth stored up in heaven. The sinner has no treasure laid up in heaven. And so if the wealth of the sinner is transferred and stored up for the righteous, that's not an inheritance one day that we'll step into in heaven. That means that that transfer has to happen on this earth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The wealth of this world is stored up and transferred to the believer. I want you to get that in your heart. I want you to get that in your spirit. I want you to begin to believe God for it just like you believe God for your salvation. Hallelujah. You know, any mature Christian, they don't doubt their salvation. If someone walks up to them and says, are you saved? They say, yes, I am saved 100%. No doubt in my mind. I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. I know what the Bible says Jesus did for me and what it says that I have because of it. I want that same confidence to come in you in regards to prosperity on this earth. Hallelujah. But you must understand that just like salvation, you have to receive it by faith. It's not received automatically. Just because Jesus brought us in or made provisions for us to come into a financial covenant, it doesn't mean that it happens automatically. Let me ask you this. Did anybody just get saved automatically? What I mean by that is one day, were you just walking down the street when you were 12 years old, and then all of a sudden the Lord just snapped his fingers, and you're like, I don't know how, but I'm saved. No, that didn't happen. You had to use your faith for salvation, right? Right? The Bible says you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. You know, the same thing that you must understand, you have to use your faith for salvation. You also have to use your faith for healing. A lot of people say, well, if it's God's will for me to be healed, then how come when I got saved, I didn't get healed? Well, you have to exercise your faith. It doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just happen sovereignly where the Lord snaps his fingers. How do you use your faith? If you don't know, we have a a three-part series, faith part one, faith part two, faith part three on the back table that will teach you what is faith, how do I get faith, how do I use my faith? It takes the same faith for healing that it takes for salvation. Did you know that? You know, it doesn't take any greater faith to be healed than it does to be saved, doesn't take any greater faith to, to prosper and to be blessed by the Lord than it does to be saved. How do you use your faith to be saved? You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. How do I receive my healing? I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. Why is it that many Christians still struggle and they die sick? They die in disease that Jesus paid for? Well, because they believed and they confessed with their mouth for salvation, but they never believed in their heart, confessed with their mouth for healing. They never believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth for prosperity. Praise you, Jesus. Healing is not automatic. So my goal is that you would begin to use the faith that you have used for salvation and the faith that you've used for healing for prosperity. So as I told you in Psalms 105, you have the full gospel message which is salvation, which is healing, which is this financial covenant, this prosperity the Lord's brought us into. Well, is that just one, one isolated passage? No, look at Psalms 103, 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and may I never forget his benefits. Say benefits. What I think of is like when you get hired at a job, you get a benefits package. Right? They say not only do you get paid, but with this job there may come retirement. There may come insurance. There comes perks. There comes things that are accommodated, that are given to you because of that job. Well, bless the Lord, all my soul, and nay, I never forget his benefits. Did you know that when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's benefits that belong to you? There's things laid aside, stored up for you, for you to access and for you to have. I've heard testimonies and stories of how, you know, somebody got this job. And a few months went down the road, and, and they got sick, and they had to go to the doctor. They went to the doctor, and they, man, they forked out all this money and paid this big old bill. Oh, and they went to work complaining the next week, and they're like, man, you'd never believe I had to go to the doctor. And they charged me this amount of money. They charged me $1,300 and then a $500 on top of that. And then they, they looked at my armpit and charged me $75 for that. And they did all this stuff. And then the boss looks at him and says, wait. You, under, you know you have benefits, right? You know that you have insurance under this company, and you say, what? I didn't know that. I went over there and paid something I didn't have to pay because you didn't know that you had benefits with that job. Yeah. Amen. Well, you have benefits. What are these benefits? It says, may I never forget his, all of his benefits. He forgives all of my iniquities. Right. Say he forgives. he forgives. Salvation. Say Salvation. That's benefit number one. Number two, who heals all your diseases. Benefit number two, healing. Say healing. Healing. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Say prosperity. prosperity. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Salvation. Healing, prosperity. That is a full gospel message. You see the exact same three promises again. Well, is that just two scriptures isolated and cherry-picked and brought out of context? No. Look at Third John 1-2. Beloved, I pray. You know, I have a hard time. If it's not God's will for us to be healed and it's not God's will for us to prosper, then John, the apostle, was outside of the will of God. When he prayed this over the believers he was writing to. I pray that you prosper. Say prosper. Prosper. In all things. And be in health. (laughs) Just as your soul prospers. First thing he said, I pray that you prosper in all things. I want you to say prosperity. Well, if God doesn't really want us to prosper and God's not really concerned and it's not God's will, it's not God's will that everybody prospers, then the Apostle John was outside of the will of God when he prayed that. You know, the Bible says that you can pray amiss, that you can ask something uh, that's counter to his word. So if if John was praying this and we don't believe that God wants us to prosper, then we just have an example of the Apostle John praying amiss, praying outside of the will of God. Amen. But guess what? He didn't because that's not what the Bible teaches. No, Apostle John had the revelation, I'm telling you today. No, it is God's will that you prosper. It is God's will that you be in health. And it is God's will that your soul prospers. And we'll talk about what all three of those things mean. Say prosperity that you're in health, say healing. Healing. And as your soul prospers, that's actually talking about salvation. Say salvation. Salvation. I'll, I'll explain that. So let me break this down and really paint this picture for you. The word for soul, just as your soul prospers, he said, the word for soul that's used here, it actually means your eternal life. Everywhere else that the same Greek word is used, this word, the Greek word used here in that word soul, it's it's a depiction of eternal life. I'll give you an example. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who could kill your body but cannot kill the soul. Say the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. So your soul and your body in hell. Let me tell you something, this, this earth suit will not inherit heaven, and this earth suit will not inherit hell. You know that the Bible says that every single person is going to undergo what is known as the resurrection. That there will come an event at the second coming, or I'm sorry, not the second coming, but the rapture of the church, where the Bible says that a trumpet will blow and first, those that have died or fallen asleep in Christ will rise. And together with them, we'll go and meet Christ in the air. And in just a moment, like a blink of an eye, we will be transformed with a glorified body into his likeness. So we'll actually inherit we will inherit an eternal body that, that will be able to endure eternity. These bodies right now can endure eternity. But even the, those that don't go to heaven, they'll be resurrected. The Bible talks about after the millennial. That the wicked will be resurrected and they'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and they'll spend eternity in a resurrected body in hell, in fire. And so here's the whole point that I'm trying to, to show you here it's this: Do not fear those who can kill the body, but kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Say the soul. So that is talking about your eternal life, your inner man, your spirit man. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so that's the same Greek word that John used in 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Say your soul. So what that, what that is saying is basically this. He said, I pray that every area of your life and your health would prosper Just like your spirit man prospers, your life, your finances, your physical well-being would step into the same reality as your spirit man. Hallelujah. Well, for you to really get the revelation of this, you must understand your spirit man is perfect. Can you say perfect? Perfect. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I'll go ahead and just read it to you. It says this, so you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves in verse 15. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit joins with our spirit. You have to understand is that when the Lord, when you prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus and put your faith in the blood of Jesus, it says that just like a man and a woman come together and the two become one, we became one with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Spirit. I don't think people understand that. That if you could see the Spirit, there's no difference between you and Jesus. Jesus is in you. You are in Jesus. The Bible says that you are seated in him in heavenly places. Well, how am I seated in him? Because we've become one in spirit. I'm not saying that you're the Lord. He's the Lord and deserves all honor and glory. But what I'm saying is your spirit man is perfect, just like Jesus is perfect. Hallelujah. And so your spirit man is perfect. In fact, your spirit is joined with, with Jesus' spirit, and now in the spirit, we are identical to Jesus. So I want you to think about this. Say perfect. perfect. So this is what he's saying here. He says, I pray that you'll prosper in all things. So let's break this down. I pray that you'll prosper just as your soul, your spirit man, your eternal man prospers. Well, if my spirit man's attached to Jesus Christ, it's prospering pretty dang good. If my spirit man seated in heavenly places, it's prospering pretty good. Hallelujah. So what he's saying is I pray that every other area of your life, financially, business affairs, is actually a part of this definition that we'll look, like it, that we'll look at it in just a minute, would come into the same reality as your spirit man. I pray you'll prosper in all things and be in health. I pray you be in health just as your soul prospers. I pray that your physical health, your physical body would step into the same perfection that your spirit, that your eternal man is in right now. What is that? What's that reality? He took my sicknesses and removed my diseases. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, praise you, Jesus. So let's break this down. He said, I pray that you'll prosper. Say prosper. What does it mean to prosper? The Greek definition for this word, it literally means to prosper, to be successful. Say successful. Yes. To lead by a direct and easy way. I want to use a word that's not really depicted much in Christianity, okay? And it's the word easy. Say easy. easy. I know that, that we all like to hear it. I don't know why. People just seem to love it. Then when you get ready to serve Jesus, it's going to be hard. Hallelujah. It's going to be so, you're going to, it's going to be agonizing. It's going to be torturous. It's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever had to do in your entire life. But Jesus said, yet take my yoke upon you. It's easy and it's light. Say easy. Easy. The word prosper literally means to direct you down the easy way. (laughs) You know, the Bible talks about in the, in the book of Proverbs that the path of the wicked is twists and it winds and it turns and it's covered with thorns and briars, but the pathway of the righteous is straight. The pathway of the righteous is clear. Can you say easy? That means that when you really walk in covenant with God, and remember, this isn't automatic. This has to be exercised faith. Where I know what the Word of God says, and I put it into practice, and I get it in my heart, and I get it in my mouth, and I get it in front of me, and I live my life according to it. It's, you don't have to go through life walking through the briars, ow, you know, and then you're walking over here, and you're getting stung and bit and, and poked every which way, everywhere that you're going. No, it says the path of the righteous is straight and clear. Say easy. easy. That word prosper means to make successful, to lead by direct. An easy way. Hallelujah. The word. So he says, "I pray that you would prosper. I pray you would be successful. I pray that you would fi- that the Lord would take you to the easiest path." And then he says this word in all things. This will just blow your mind. You know what the word "all things" mean? It's the Greek word "pas." It literally means it's p a s. The definition is this: each. Every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. Hallelujah. What John was praying is I pray that you would step into the atonement where you experience success. Say success. In each thing, everything, all things, anything. Where each thing, everything, anything, and all things become easy. Hallelujah. That's what the anointing does. That's what the grace of God does. When you step into God's grace for your life, what what was so hard in your strength and in your flesh, now it becomes easy because it's done with His Spirit, His grace, His strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, so I want to solidify something in you this morning. Three blessings that are God's will according to the Bible. I'm going to give you three blessings that are God's will According to the Bible. Say the Bible. This isn't according to my opinion. This is according to what the Bible says. These are three blessings that are God's will. Number one, write this down material prosperity. Material prosperity is a blessing that is God's will. Can you say this this morning? I want you to say prosperity, prosperity. is a blessing from God. from God. Say it again prosperity is a blessing blessing. from God. Where do we see this, man? We see this so many places. I told my wife yesterday, I came inside and I sat down. It was about 3 o'clock, and I had been outside for hours just with the Lord, studying, reading, meditating, and I said, I haven't even started my message yet. And she says, you haven't started yet? And I said, no. And I said, (laughs) The problem isn't trying to figure out what to preach. The problem is I went to go make notes about prosperity, and I have about 50 sermons worth of content. I don't know where to start is my problem. <laughs> because it's just it's full, the Bible's full of it. Joshua 1 7 through 8 says, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turning either to the right or the left, then you'll be successful. Say successful. In everything that you do, that is literally the definition of prosperity that we just read. You will prosper. Study this book of instruction continually and meditate on it day and night. So you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper, say prosper, succeed in all that you do. Prosperity is a blessing that comes from God. Man, and I want to tell you this, too. The Lord doesn't pick and choose. The Bible says that God does not show favoritism. You know, God, he didn't just give this this instruction just to Joshua. He told him he was giving him instructions to his generation, to his people. God didn't say, I'll just sovereignly pick and choose who I want to bless and who I don't. You know, I want you to live a life of poverty. I want you to live a life of blessing and prosperity. No, what he said was, Joshua, teach the people that if they'll commit to this word and be sure to obey everything written in it, it will cause prosperity for all of them. doesn't matter who you are, white, black, young, old, man, woman, I know we live in a generation that tries to tell you, well, if you're black, there's a system that's against you. If you're a woman, there's a system that's against you. You know, that's such a lie from the devil trying to keep you in a victim mindset. The Bible says it doesn't matter who you are if you'll obey the Word of God. God will make no distinction or separation of you and it will produce prosperity in your life. 1 Samuel 2, 6-8. The Lord kills and He makes some alive. He brings down to the grave, and he brings up. The Lord makes poor, and he makes rich. He brings low, and he lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of, his, of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. I want to I know that you could have just heard that verse and said, John, doesn't that just kind of contradict what you just said? No, it doesn't. I'm going to show you something here. I want you to say the word grave. It says he brings down to the grave, and he brings up that word grave there is the Greek word, uh, not the Greek word, the Hebrew word sheol. Probably butchered the real pronunciation of that word, but it's Sheol, S H E O L. That's the Hebrew word that means hell say hell. Hell. Let me tell you, let me ask you a question. And if you say yes, then hallelujah, keep coming to this church because you you got some theology problems you need some help with. But does God just sovereignly send people to hell? Does God just pick you and say, you know what? Um, You you got blonde hair. I don't like that. I think I'm going to send you to hell and I'm not going to let you, even if you wanted me, I won't receive you and forgive you. No, God doesn't do that. The Bible says that... For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him, that means anybody can have faith in Jesus and and retain salvation, shall not perish but have eternal life. And so whenever it says he brings some down to the grave and he brings up, this passage is making a compare and contrast between those that receive God and those that reject God. God doesn't just sovereignly send people to hell. Somebody has to reject the Lord Jesus Christ and reject the faith in order to go to hell. So I want you to read this in the context of a, of a comparison and a contrast between those that receive the Lord and those that reject the Lord. Is there anybody in this house that says, I receive Jesus, I don't reject Jesus? Well, if you receive Jesus, then you fall into the category of this. If you receive him, then he brings you up. It says the Lord kills and he makes alive. If you receive him, then he makes you alive. Hallelujah. If you receive him, it says he brings you down to the grave and he brings some up. If you receive him, he doesn't bring you down, he brings you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you reject the Lord, it says the Lord makes some poor and he makes some rich. If you receive the Lord, there's the compare and contrast. The Lord makes you rich. Hallelujah. It says he brings some low and he lifts some up. If you reject the Lord, he brings you low. If you receive the Lord, he lifts you up. If you receive the Lord, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. If you receive him, he brings you up, he makes you rich, he lifts up, he takes you from the dunghill. You know what the dunghill was? It was the poop pile. <laughs> if you receive the Lord, the Bible says that he'll take you from the poop pile, from the dunghill, and he'll set you among princes and let you inherit a throne of glory. Obviously not his glory. But what the Lord will cause you is to be honored before men. If you'll humble yourself before him. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. You say, John, this just seems a little far-fetched. Well, let's go a little further then. Proverbs three thirteen through 18. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. Wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand. Say long life. Long life. And riches in honor. Say riches in honor riches. in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. Say delightful paths. Delightful. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those that embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. You know, the, the spirit's just showing me something now before I give you this point. I want to make a point here. So if you get wisdom, the Bible says, here's some of the benefits. We were just talking about benefits that come with wisdom. Long life. And you're right, riches and honor. Satisfying path. Satisfying life. Delightful life, right? Does God pick and choose who he gives those things to? No, I'll show you why in Proverbs chapter 1. Wisdom shouts in the streets and she cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowd along the main street and to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons, must you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish in your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction that I offered. Let me ask you this question. Does the Bible depict that God picks and chooses who he gives wisdom to? No, actually what it depicts is that there's this wisdom that's standing on a street corner, screaming out to the crowds, anybody, whosoever is hungry, whosoever is thirsty, come and drink of me and I'll give you rest. Come, let me share my heart with you and I'll make you wise. It, God doesn't pick and choose. It is, he is proclaiming it to anybody. And if you obtain this wisdom, it says with it will come long life and riches and honor. Okay, now let's just take it a step further. Look at 1 Corinthians one thirty. Say wisdom. wisdom. If you get wisdom, wisdom offers you long life in her right hand, riches and honor in her left, She'll guide you down delightful paths. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For your benefit, God made him, who's him? Say Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he's freed us from sin. God made Jesus to be wisdom itself. So what we can actually do is go back to Proverbs chapter 3, what we just read, and we can, God, Jesus was wisdom. He didn't have wisdom. He was. What the Bible calls wisdom, Jesus was wisdom. So we could actually interchange the word wisdom with the word Jesus, right? Because he was wisdom. It's interchangeable. So let's reread that passage with the word Jesus inserted. Joyful is the person who finds Jesus, the one who gains understanding. For Jesus is more profitable than silver. His wages are better than gold. Jesus is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with him. He offers you long life in his right hand and riches and honor in his left. He will guide you down delightful paths, All of his ways are satisfying. Jesus is a tree of life to those that embrace him, and happy are those who hold him tightly. Praise the Lord. I tried telling our kids, I said, Man, the world is such a liar. We try to preach. If you give your life to Jesus, so you're going you're gonna to miss out on all these experiences. You're, gonna, you're not going to get to party. You're not going to get to go just sleep with whoever you want to. The devil tries to lie that you're going to be taking a hit by giving your life to Jesus. But when in reality, receiving the Lord Jesus Christ is the most profitable thing that you could do for your life in every single area. It's not only profitable to your eternity. It's profitable to your life on this earth. Hallelujah. The Bible says that physical training benefits little, but godliness provides benefits in this life and in the life to come. Say benefits. Benefits. Y'all, I'm just going to go so far, and I just want to slap that religious devil right in the head. I'm going to tell you right now that if you'll live for Jesus, listen to me, you'll live in the best house that you could have on planet Earth. If you'll live for Jesus, you will drive the best car that you could have ever driven. That the Lord will give you something that you could have never have given yourself in a million, billion, thousand years. If you live for Jesus, you will work the most satisfying job that you, that you could have never have gotten on your own, in your own strength or own ability. That living for the Lord Jesus Christ is the most profitable thing that you could ever do. Your life will profit and prosper in every single way. If you get a hold of the true word of God and what it says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, that just excites me. I want you to say this. Say prosperity is a blessing from God. Thank you Jesus. 1st Chronicles 29:11 through 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and is this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. Wealth and honor come from him. He gives wealth and honor. So if it was bad, then it couldn't come from God because it says that all good gifts come from your Father who is above. Only good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. So we've got to break this religious thinking that, oh, man, the the, the thought that a Christian would actually say, You go to a family reunion or a Thanksgiving dinner and get around your Christian friends and family, and you say, you know what, I'm believing God to take me to the multi-million dollar level. They'll sit there and, oh, okay, you know, that's cool. (laughs) They're just so uncomfortable, like, who is this crazy person talking like that? You've got to break out of that and understand what the will of God is for you. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. You know, I, I had to repent to the Lord because... For the longest time, I always said, I wish people would get this. I was like, Lord, if I wasn't doing the ministry 24-7, 395 days a year, that I would just focus all my attention on business, business, business to try to finance the kingdom of God on this earth, to be a great financer of the harvest. And the Lord rebuked me, and he said, Why do you think that you can't be both? Why do you think that if you're going to be in the ministry that I can't, you still can't be a great financer to the kingdom? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You know, the Lord, this is just a side note for you, but the Lord, he'll bring things to you when your heart is pure. And we're going to get into all of this because I know people could totally misinterpret some of the things that I'm saying, and, and you could take all of this to a very negative way, but your, you know, your heart has to be pure. Something that the Lord had me and my wife do is that me and my wife, we don't give our tithe to this church. I tell you what, what we, me and my wife do is we give our tithe to p- different people every week. In this, ch- in this church, we give our tithe of that week to different people. Why did the Lord have me do that? Because one of the main reasons for the tithe, as the Lord said in Malachi 3, bring your tithe to the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple, says the Lord. Food in the temple was reserved for the priests. You know, part of the tithe is, yes, to keep the ministry going for us to progress and and win the lost and do bigger and better things. But really, part of the tithe is to provide for the men and women of God that are serving the Lord and preaching the gospel. And so I really felt the Lord begin to show me when we tithe and just put it in the bucket and back into the system. He was like, it's like taking, you know, from your right hand and putting it in your left. And so the Lord said, because people tithe and give to this church and show honor to this house, I want you to show honor, return honor back to to men and women and show them. that We don't live in this place of, you know, God's anointed, God's special, God's favorite. No, he said, as people honor, you turn around and be, you know, be honor others as well. And so I really prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't wait for the day where me and my wife prosper to a level where we can walk up to a member of this church and hand them a a $10,000 check and say, hallelujah, this is our tithe from this month. Be blessed. This is for you. Just a member of this church. (laughs) I told the Lord that, and, and I just, I really felt in my spirit, the Lord says, now you understand. Now you understand the heart of prosperity It's not just about you. It's literally to be a blessing to other people. Praise God. And so, about to finish up here, it says this. In Job 36.11, if you obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. If you obey and serve him, you shall spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. There's so, 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 so many more verses that we could cover that talk about this line, that that prosperity is a blessing from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to say prosperity Prosperity. is a blessing blessing. from from God, and he wants me to have it. I'm going to end with this. These are the two other things. I told you there's three bl- there's three blessings that are God's will. Number 1 was material prosperity, number 2, healing in your body. I'm not going to take the time because we just preached a series on healing and went through it thoroughly. But Psalms 91, I'll just give you a few isolated scriptures. Psalms 91 verse 3. Another blessing that is for you, according to the word of God, healing in your body. It says he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. That's Psalms 91.3. I believe that word. You know, and, and again, we don't at all, we're not trying to use the, the pandemic as a platform, but it's true. You know, when the, when the pandemic hit, we never shut down this church. We never closed services. And what we did was we, we claimed this verse and spoke it out loud three times a week in this church. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. We believe that. I believe that blood, just like the blood at Passover that was put on those doorposts, that around my life, around my body, around my wife's body, my children's body, my house, there is a blood circle that is, that is the blood of Jesus, that any pestilence, any disease, any devil from hell cannot cross over that blood line. That our house and our life is marked by the blood, and we're in covenant with the Most High God. Psalms 91, 6 through 7. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the dark, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Say, "They they won't touch me. Because, say, because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, don't you understand what's happening in Lufkin and what's happening in Louisiana, what's happening in Houston, this outbreak? Yes, it may be happening, and I pray for them, and I pray that they get a hold of the Word of God, but because it's happening to them doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. Though a 1,000 fall at my side and 10,000 are dying around me, these evils will not touch me. Hallelujah. They won't touch you. Psalms 91, 9 through 13, if you make the Lord your refuge if you make the most high your shelter, that's talking about faith. The Lord's my source of protection. The Lord's my source of healing. What are we talking about? Prosperity. Well, the Lord has to be your source of provision. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No evil, no plague will come near your home. For the Lord will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and you'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Y'all, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that we're not going to have a bunch of Christians that run from the devil in this house. We're going to have a bunch of Christians that stomp on the devil's head in this house then we won't have a bunch of people that run around talking about how the devil's beating them up and spitting them out week in and week out. No, they'll be intercessors. They'll be men and women of God of authority that tread on cobras and serpents and lions and crush them under their feet. Isaiah 53, five, the, the, Another blessing, number two, healing in your physical body. It says he was pierced for our rebellions. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. We had Brother Timothy Dixon here, and he graphically, graphically described crucifixion. He graphically described what Jesus underwent when they tied him to the whipping post. He wasn't tied up like this. Jesus was tied down his hands tied over where he was bent over where the the skin on his back would have been pulled so tight where you could have probably taken just about a butter knife and went across and because how tight the skin was it would have just it would have just shredded him he tied him down and he took 39 lashes across his back Not with a whip. It had fragments of metal, fragments of bone, shards that it would dig into the skin and rip out the meat and rip out the flesh. He was shredded. When I heard that and I got a hold of this verse that says he was beaten so I could be whole and whipped so I could be healed, I got a hatred for sickness and disease in me. I refuse it. I refuse to accept it. I refuse to play games with it. I refuse to tolerate it. How dare I tolerate what Jesus took such a high, paid such a high price for? I will battle with the devil till the day that I'm dead to walk in my healing. I will stand in authority. I refuse to accept any lie that this is just part of life that we deal with. No, it's not. Matthew eight sixteen through seventeen. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command. Say simple. Simple. Y'all, you know, real authority is not having to jump and shout and do backflips and spin around six times. You just say the word. Devil, come out. You know, I have a story. One time we cast a devil out in this church. And this person was, was kind of having these issues and open manifestation. And the Spirit of the Lord led me to run right back there and I, and I just, it came out of my spirit. I shouted, in the name of Jesus, come out. And he began to like, you know. And then the Lord stopped me. And the Lord had me put my, my mouth right by his ear. And I said, in Jesus' name, come out. He fell out under the power of the Spirit. was delivered. Why? Simple command. A simple command. We think that we got to scream and fight and shout at the devil and do all this stuff to fight with the devil. Man, Jesus holds the name that's above every other name. Every knee must bow to that name. And when you speak that name and you get a revelation of the authority given to us in that name, you won't fight the devil. You say, you take your hands off just as simply as that, and it's done. With a simple command, he healed all, all, say all. Each and every one of them. He didn't make distinction. He didn't make separation. Nobody ever came to Jesus and he looked at him and said, God gave you this disease. Now go home and deal with it. He healed everybody that was brought to him. Jesus was, the Bible says, the express image of God. Jesus was the will of God in flesh form. The fact that he healed all the sick, he displayed God's will for sickness and disease. It's for you to be healed every time. No matter what your age is. Well, when we get 80, when we get 90, you know, we just got to start deteriorating. No, you don't. You don't have to. And if you'll put your faith against it, God will, the spirit of the Lord will quicken your mortal body. He healed all the sick and this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. He said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. That's why I refuse. I refuse because Jesus took it from me. I refuse to have it. Number three, the third blessing. Write this down. Three blessings that are God's will for you. Number one, material prosperity. Number two, healing in your body. Number three, salvation of your soul. Amen. John three sixteen, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians 1 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins ephesians 2 8 through 9 god saved you by his grace when you believed you can't take credit for this it's a gift from god salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so no one can boast about it hallelujah salvation say salvation Salvation. of my soul I want you to say this, and we're going to close the service with this. Say, and you, John, you have a saying a lot of stuff. I know, because we have to get it in our mouths for it to start to work. Yeah. God, say this. Say, God wants, God wants me saved. Say, God wants me healed. God wants me healed. Say, God wants me to God prosper God wants me. In, all in all things. Hallelujah. All One more time. God wants me saved. God wants me, saved. God wants me, God saved. Wants me healed. God wants me to prosper in all things. things. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise if you believe that this morning. Praise you, Jesus. Father, bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless them in their coming. Bless them in their going. Lord, I declare your word this morning in Deuteronomy 28, that you'll bless them in their field, that you'll bless their fruit, their, their, their breadboards and their fruit baskets, that everywhere that they go and everything that they do shall be blessed, that you will send rain at the proper time from your treasury in heaven, that they will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that they will lend to many and never need to borrow from anyone. Father, I thank you for increase, I thank you for promotion, and I thank you of testimonies coming forth this This week in the mighty name of Jesus And everybody that believed and received it said Amen, Amen. hallelujah Lord bless them for being hearers of the word In Jesus name If you would like to sow a seed Or partner with this work that the Lord is doing Check out the description of this podcast Or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.